we welcome you to this Sunday of Advent. I do hope your Bible is still open to 1 John. It is going to be a wonderful and rich time to talk about God's love for us. And let's be clear, friends, <clears throat> this is an undeserved love. The kind of love with which we have been loved is not something that you can even aspire to. It is God's mercy, his kindness, his grace that has brought it to us at all. <coughs> I want to talk with you just a minute about how we as a church are expressing that love today and over the course of the next week. It starts today. If you've noticed in our schedule for today, we don't have an evening service tonight. We're dismissing it in favor of the gift. It is our Christmas outreach. Almost 300 children will be served because of what happens here today. For the last several weeks, we've asked you to bring white harvest boxes of food, gift cards to donate to that cause. And today, today is the day between 2.30 and 5.30 this afternoon that we've invited those people to come to our church, to our fellowship hall, and let us bless them with those gifts. But you see, the real gift isn't the food or the gift cards. It's the love of Jesus that we intend to show them. I want to ask you to pray with me about something. I want you to pray with me that the people who come to receive these things will see something that will do something in their lives. Not for our sake, but for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Pray with me for transformed lives. Would you do that? Pray with me that God will change lives. And this much I know for sure, this much I know without a doubt, every mission endeavor I've ever been a part of, the life that has changed most is my own. Would you pray with me for that too? You see, we want to show them the love of Jesus in a way that they'll understand and understand something about God's character and his people that maybe they didn't before. I want you to pray with me about that. But we're not done. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of this week, right across the street on our north side, right at the corner of Cuthbert and Inn, we're going to be presenting our living nativity. Now, if you've been a part of this church long at all, you know that's not something unusual. We've done this every year forever. And it is a great blessing for us to do that. It is a physical representation, and nothing more than that, a physical representation of that first night at the manger. No, it's unlikely that there was a shepherd seven feet tall like there will be Tuesday night. It's unlikely that was the case, given first century Judaism at the time. But it is our best effort to say to people, this is what it may have looked like. And we'll give them a little pamphlet when they come that says, here's what you're seeing. And oh, by the way, millions have come to the manger, and now you have too. Nobody leaves unchanged. What about you? Will you pray with me for transformed lives then too? Pray with me that the Spirit of God will whisper something into the hearts of those. Maybe they were just driving by and saw us and decided to stop and see what the commotion was about. Would you pray with me for the opportunity to talk with people about what Jesus can do in their lives? We're not done there either. As soon as living nativity moves... Friday and Saturday, we're going to turn that same corner into a snow playground. 
Now, we've never tried this before, and snow is something of an oddity in our part of the world, like you know. It is going to be a real treat. We hired some guys from El Paso to come and do this for us, and they swear they can do it, and the weather appears to be rather favorable for it. Would you pray with me for those who will come and receive this gift from our church as an act of love for them and their families? It's more than just a snow playground. It's an opportunity, a conversation starter, for we'll be having the same conversations with this. Let us tell you about the Jesus who loves you and came for you. Will you pray with me for changed lives, even at the snow playground? And we're not done with that either. This same preschool choir that you saw a little while ago, they'll sing starting 6 p.m. on Friday night at the stage that we're going to erect on the north parking lot. The north parking lot is going to be closed, so when you come, you'll have to park somewhere else, and it'll be okay. We're going to turn that into a stage outside. Don't worry, we've got some tents and some heaters. If you're cold sensitive, I think we'll be able to adapt to you. But it's going to be an opportunity, friends, for us to proclaim the name of Jesus musically. We've invited a couple other choirs. They'll come after the, the, uh, the preschoolers. And then Friday night, the last will be our friend Rabin Buley and some of the same ones that you heard here. I want you to pray with me that through music, transformed lives will come. And then on Saturday, our choir, the same choir you just heard, at 2 o'clock that day, and at 6 o'clock on Sunday, they'll present their Christmas musical. Oh, man, I'm excited. It's going to be a wonderful chance to thank Jesus for coming for us. And then on Saturday night at 6, we've invited Denver and his Mile High Orchestra to come and perform on our North Stage and to be a part of what God is doing. If you're not tired yet, that means you don't have any role in all of that, all right? But it's not too late for you to. At the end of the service, you can sign up to help us supervise the snow party. There's a table right out here decorated with snowballs. You'll want to come and be a part of that. I want to encourage you, friends, pray with me. Of all the weeks that we have planned for this entire year, this is one that our staff, your pastors, circled and said, this is the week that we believe the Spirit of God wants to move in Midland and in Midland County. We believe God has something special in store for this week. We believe in transformed lives this week. Would you pray with me to that end? And oh, by the way, invite somebody to come with you when you come. Maybe it's their life that needs to be changed by the power of the gospel. Let's pray together for that right now. I'm grateful, Lord Jesus, for this church and the spirit that you've blessed us with. Spirit of service, spirit of missions, spirit of calling that you, Lord, have given us the opportunity with your great commission to go, and sometimes it's just to the north parking lot. I pray, Father, you would use us. There's nothing necessarily extraordinary that we have to offer other than ourselves. But you're not asking us to be successful, Lord. You're only asking us to be faithful. I pray that you would help us to do that very thing. Strengthen our hands, strengthen our voices, Open doors of opportunity for us, Jesus. And most of all, I pray for changed lives. Do it in us now, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
So, now we're ready to talk about 1 John. When we get to this portion of John's letter, his first letter, we come to a section that I believe represents the pinnacle of John's understanding of who Jesus is. Group this one with John chapter 3 in the gospel and Revelation 7 and Revelation chapter 20, and I believe you have the very essence of John's mission. Why did Jesus call him? I believe it's to communicate this. And the crescendo itself is right here in chapter 4. For in it, John is talking about the most significant event in human history, the arrival of Jesus Christ and the mission for which he came. We call it the incarnation, and it is God's final and best attempt at revealing who he is. It's his effort to allow us to understand his true identity and to relate to him in a personal way. It is an extraordinary thing to talk about who God is and Jesus' mission, as well as our response to it. Now, we're picking it up in the middle. So understand there's some that comes before this and some that comes after it, but let's start where we've chosen because we don't have time for all of it. We'll pick it up in verse 7, where John is saying, loving others like I've been loved by God is where undeserved love begins. See it there in verse 7, won't you? Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who doesn't love, or doesn't love, doesn't know God because God is love. Let's start with that first name, that first word in verse 7. Beloved. Now, a lot of times when we see or hear that word, we immediately jump to its most common usage, a wedding. Dearly beloved, we're gathered here today, etc., etc. But it doesn't just mean in the sense of a marriage, although that's true as well. It means that we are loved. We have been loved with an everlasting and undeserved love. It's a title that John uses five times in this letter. He uses it twice more in 2 John, and again in 3 John, almost like he wants to remind them that they are a beloved. Oh, friends, beloved, we are, as it were, the recipients of a great gift. Now, sometimes we treat that rather haphazardly, like the story that I'll share with you now. I don't know if this is true. I rather hope it isn't. Three husbands who had been married for some time were sitting together sharing stories about when they were newlyweds. The first man said, when I got married, I told my wife in no uncertain terms that she was responsible for all of the cooking. Well, I came home that first day, I didn't see anything. I came home that second day. I still didn't see anything. But that third day I came home, there was a beautiful meal on the table and the dessert too. Second man not to be outdone, he spoke up and he said, I told my wife in no uncertain terms that she was to do all the cleaning. Well, that first day I came home and I didn't see anything. That second day I still didn't see anything. But that third day I came home and the whole house was spick and span, just as I told her. The third man, he spoke up and he said, well, I told my wife she had to do all the cooking and the cleaning. 
And that first day, I didn't see anything. And that second day, I didn't see anything. But that third day, I could just begin to see something from my left eye. Some of you will catch on to that later. And you'll go, oh, I get it now. That's the opposite of what I'm talking about, all right? What I'm talking about is being loved. I want to talk with you about what being loved by God means. Let's talk about that for a second. Here's what it means. It means it gives us the liberty to love one another. You see, when I've been so loved, then I have some to give away. If I live from a, a scarcity point of view, then I have to hoard it and keep it all for myself. But if I've been given a lot of love, then I have plenty to share. Which brings us to the next thing. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. It means we're connected to one another through Jesus. This union that we have that binds us together starts because Jesus came for us in the first place. We are together, connected. And get this, our unity to one another is an act of the will. Because let's be clear, it won't happen accidentally. There's a problem that each of us struggle with. It's called our sin nature, the brokenness that is within each of us simply because we're human. It is a reminder that we are human beings. We're still in process. We're not there yet, but we're on our way. And on our way, we reflect the goodness of the love that God has shown to us. And that brings John to verse eight. Love is from God and marks those who are his own. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. The very essence of God is holy love. Now this doesn't mean that love is God, as if that's the reality that some live in today. The definition that people use of love means that I only want what to, I, my highest thing is I can agree with you and endorse every decision. Friends, that is not love. The love that God loves us with is a holy love. One that says, I'll tell you the truth even if it hurts you because I want good things for you. God in his unchanging and immutable nature compels me to love his, to understand his loving nature enough to respond to it in others. That's why I love, because God has loved. So the spiritual DNA that God has created within me causes me to want to love as I have been loved. I ought to look like my heavenly father. Have you ever seen families that look a lot alike? Some of you are families that look a lot alike. I got a couple of pictures I wanted to show you today, all right? I went to look for that this week. Take a look at this first one. This is a mother on the left and her daughter on the right. It's remarkable to me how much these ladies look alike. There's no denying this is her daughter. There's no denying that's her mother. If you saw them together, then you would say, yeah, they belong together. She shares DNA from her. This, friends, is what it ought to look like. Or maybe this next picture will get your attention. Go to that next one. This is a father and son, 35 years apart. Now, I want to congratulate the son, the one on the left, 
for his awesome hat wear. Don't you think so? But I want to call your attention to their similarities. Oh, friends, there's no denying they belong together. These, these share DNA. It ought to be the same for us. So if it ought to be the same, then what should our love look like? What ought to be the things that mark us? Well, what should our love look like? It ought to be sacrificial love, a love that gives. Some of you are going to show that this afternoon. You're going to be here serving all afternoon with us. You're going to be serving with us at Living Nativity. You're going to be serving at the choir thing. You're going to be serving at the, the snow party. You're going to be serving in the, 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 the events that we have all through the month. I want to tell you, that's the kind of sacrificial love that reflects the DNA we've been given. It ought to be a sacrificial love. It also ought to be unconditional. An unconditional love that says, not a meritocracy kind of love that says, I love you if, but rather the kind of love that says, I love you because I can't help myself. I love you and I will always love you because you are the beloved. Here's a third marker of it, a service-centered love, the kind that puts your needs ahead of my own. It's a kind of love that acknowledges that I might, I might have some shortfalls, but I'm gonna do everything in my power to reach out with love to you. Sort of like another story that I heard about some nursing home residents sitting around discussing their aches and pains. One said, my arms are so weak I can barely lift this cup of coffee to drink from it. Another said, my cataracts are so bad I can't even see my coffee cup. A third one chimed in, what about my arthritis? Mine's so bad I can't even turn my head. Another one responded, well my blood pressure is so high it makes me dizzy. Well, I guess that's the price, one said, for getting old. There seemed to be general agreement with that, and then one of them spoke up and said, at least we can still drive. <laughs> yes. Look for opportunities that you can jump in and say, yes, I can serve by doing something. This last one is the one that we don't have capacity for, but it's the one we ought to aspire to, an eternal love. A love that looks far into the future and says, I'll love you even then. Now friends, this is easy to call out in church. And if I were to raise your hand and say, who wants to look like this, then every hand would go up. I know that much. But what I want is not just hands raised, it's hearts engaged. It's hearts that say, do this in me. And that brings me to the things I want to send you home with. Do this at home, friends. Create opportunities for service to show your love. Now, it's easy to say, well, I would show them I, I'm loving. I would show them my love if the opportunities would arise. Sometimes we have to create those opportunities. Look for them, and when you find them, jump in. And here's the second thing I want you to take home. Using God's word as a mirror, examine your reflection. Do I look like God? Does my DNA look like his? Now we arrive at the last thing we'll take up for today. It may be the last thing we'll take up for today, but it is the most important thing that we'll talk about this whole Christmas season. 
It is God making himself known through love so that we might live. God revealing himself, pulling back the curtain of his divinity in order that we might understand through his humanity. See it again in verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. The pathway God chose to unveil his love is the one and only Jesus. God had sent word all along. We find it all the way through the Old Testament. God gave them the Levitical Code or the Mosaic Covenant, 613 laws for them to keep. But the reality is nobody could keep all of them, and and God knew that. That's why he created the sacrificial system, the opportunity for you to pay for your sins and to make yourself right with God all over again. But all of it was a foreshadowing, a future look at what would happen down the road. When we get to verse 9, the road has come to an end. For now, now God is ready to reveal himself, to lift the curtain on his great desire for all of humanity. Here it is. This word made manifest among us. It is a grand and spectacular word. It has with it the idea that God is up to something and he's finally ready to help us understand it. God made his love evident to us by sending his son into the world for a purpose, for a purpose that we might live through him. You see, there's a difference between going and being sent. Any fool can go, but being sent is something else altogether. All babies are born into the world, but only one baby came with a mission and was sent by God. It's an expression of God's amazing creative capacity for reaching humanity in a way that we would understand. And Jesus knew that mission from the beginning. Now, one of the great gifts that God has given me, given me is ADHD. Maybe you share that wonderful gift. What it means is that I'm able to multitask in some amazing and beautiful ways. That's the gift. The bad side is that I'm easily distracted. I brought a picture that I didn't draw, but somebody like me did. Now, why somebody would draw a picture of a cat in the first place, I couldn't begin to tell you. But clearly, this person shares my gift. They got almost done and then drifted off. Maybe, maybe we've lived our spiritual lives this way, where we've gotten distracted. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't? He knew why he came. And he knew what God had sent him for. With clear vision and a pure heart, Jesus walked to it. He trended on for one purpose, and it's in verse 10, and I want you to see it. It's a really unusual word. In this is love, not that we've loved God, but that he loved us 
and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation. Some of your translations say atoning sacrifice. Yeah, that's it. There had to be a culmination point where all of our sins were heaped up into one place and God paid the penalty for us. That was the only way that we could be made right with God. That's what Jesus came to do. The only problem with it is, was the price of God's love. The price of God's love was the death of his son. The reality is, from the cradle, from the manger, the cross is already in view. And that, friends, is the price of God's love. It is a reminder that God's love came at a cost, a steep one. And you know, these beautiful children we had up here just a moment ago, they are a reminder of God's love for us. I wonder, I wonder if this was you up here and somebody came to you and said, you know, I've done all kinds of bad things, I've made all kinds of mistakes, but if your child will die, then it'll make all of this go away. I know how I'd respond. Good luck. No thanks. But the price of God's love, he was willing to pay because he wanted you. I I wonder how we see ourselves. Take a look at this price tag picture that I brought with me. I I, I found this picture and it, it wasn't what I was looking for, but I think it was what God led me to. You see, some people see themselves and they see themselves as a buck 49. And so when they look at themselves, they see themselves like we would see an item in the store at a dollar 49, if you can find such a thing anymore. A dollar 49, we're like, hey, you know what? If it breaks, it's no big deal. It was only a dollar and a half. It's easily expendable. I can just throw it away and get another, another one for that same price. I want to ask you today, is this how you think God sees you? I want to tell you, if we were to turn this over and look at it from the other side, we might see what God's willing to pay for you. And it's not $1.49. He thought you were so precious, so valuable. He marked you worthy of the death of his son. All because he wanted you. I don't know if you've thought of yourself that way, but I want to tell you that's how God thinks of you. You see, this is the last thing I want to, take, I want to give you to take home with you. God sent Jesus for you because he longs for you. Let me say that one more time just to make sure you heard me. God sent Jesus for you because he longs for you. Maybe you don't have a lot of people in your life who long for you. But I want to tell you today, friends, God does. So if you're one who's struggling, if you're one who's wounded, if you're one who's hurting, if you're one who feels unvaluable, if you're one who feels unloved, if you're one who feels like no one longs for you, then understand that's the whole reason Jesus came. If you're one who would look at your own past and say, but I've done so many stupid and foolish things, how will, I, how will God ever make it all right? I want to encourage you today. I want you to get this. Undeserved love 
is what God came to bring you. And that's what we remember today. And we're gonna do our invitation different today because we have this beautiful furniture down here. It's gonna be difficult to invite you down. But if you want to come, I'll be waiting for you. But we're gonna sing in a minute, the first Noel. And here's what I want us to do. I want you to go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. We're just gonna do our invitation just a little differently today. I want you to, first of all, thank God that he longs for you. Do that now. Now I want you to thank Jesus that he came to be the atoning sacrifice, the propitiation for your sin, to make it all right and to purify you so that you could be in a right relationship with him. Do that now. Now I want you to ask God to help him see, help you see yourself like he sees you. Not as others would see you, not even as you see yourself, but as he sees you. One who is precious, lovely, beloved, worthy of the death of his son. For you see, if it had been just you, Jesus would have still come. So Jesus, today, in this moment of invitation, we, your people, we've gathered here to understand your undeserved love. The love that you've granted to us that we could never live up to. But thank you that we don't have to. You came to give it to us just the same. My prayer today, Jesus, is that you would send us out to share that love. The reality is, Jesus, we live in a world that doesn't know anything about that kind of love. We live in a world that says, I'll love you if. Thank you, Jesus, that's not how you loved us. I pray for those who need to respond today, who need to come and say, hey, Darren, I'm the one that needs to understand that love, that undeserved love. Give them freedom to do that today, Lord, to come down here, not caring about who sees and who thinks what. I pray for those who need to respond to you, Lord, that today would be the day we gratefully, Lord, thank you for loving us and calling us to be yours. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.